Good morning. It is good to have you all here this morning. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're continuing in our series on course correction uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, have you ever taken a test before? And when you received the test back, it was all marked up with red ink um, and all kinds of things that were circled and maybe a couple comments from the teacher. And you didn't even really want to look at the bottom line score to see what you did on that test or on that exam uh, because there's just red all over that paper. That might be one of the papers that you just kind of want to slide in the backpack and not let the parents see uh, when you get that back, right? And in many ways, I feel like that's what we've been seeing in 1 Corinthians with Paul's letter to the, the church here in Corinth uh, is a lot of red ink uh, that he would be uh, you know, showing them different areas that they needed to have some correction in. Uh, he's pointing out a lot of different areas to the church that they needed some instruction on, some correction in, and wanted them to have a better understanding of certain things that the Lord was impressing on his heart to share with them, and responding to questions uh, that the church posed his way. That's what we've been looking at as we've been diving into this great uh, book, this great letter, and uh, we'll continue doing that this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, we're going to start with verse 1 and work through to verse 11 this morning, and so you can follow along uh, on your copy of God's Word. If you're using our Pew Bible, it's page 959. Uh, please follow along as I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's writing and he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now we are in a series in 1 Corinthians, we're not in a series on spiritual gifts or on pneumatology, the working of the Spirit of God, although that's what we come to in the text today. But I want to start off with a disclaimer. It is absolutely impossible in the 35 to 40 minutes we have this morning to give you a detailed explanation and teaching on every one of the gifts of the Spirit that are included in the passage today. It's impossible in the time allotted to us as well to go into a deep dive in pneumatology this morning, understanding all that could be said about the Spirit of God and the ministry of the Spirit of God and the working of the Spirit of God, the things that the Spirit of God does and the things that He does not. We can't do all that this morning, but what we're going to seek to do this morning is look at this text, a great text, 
See some truths that Paul's wanting to communicate in reference to spiritual gifts, some takeaways from that of how we should respond and how that should impact our lives as we walk out of these doors today. And I hope this morning you'll be encouraged and challenged as we look at this great section of God's word. So I want to begin by just making mention of the fact that the emphasis in this passage is on spiritual gifts. Uh, Those are gifts pertaining to the spirit. Um, And these gifts could also be called grace gifts. That's the the word that's used in the Greek here is reference to grace. Grace gifts, those gifts that are not merited or deserved by we, the people of God, but ones that the spirit gives freely. He gives And we are recipients of it. And so we're going to see that this morning as well. But let me start by pointing out some truths from the passage this morning. Truth number one, every believer in Christ should be informed about spiritual gifts. This is valuable. This is important because a lot of times there's one of two attitudes when it comes to spiritual gifts and understanding spiritual gifts. There's the attitude of, I don't care, I don't want to know. Everybody argues about that and I don't have, you know, any clue what it's talking about. And so I don't really care to know. And then there's the other viewpoint extreme of like that's all people care about is spiritual gifts and everything about the spiritual gifts and all the things that happen with spiritual gifts. And and it's really truly healthy for us to be somewhere kind of in that, that middle spot where we desire and care and want to know and want to exercise these gifts. And and Paul makes something abundantly clear at the very outset of this chapter as he gets into spiritual gifts. He wants them to be informed. Two times here in the opening verses, he says, I do not want you to be uninformed in verse 1. And he also says, I want you to understand. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to understand. There is a really a challenge on the part of Paul to the believers in Corinth that they would get this right. That they would understand what it is that the Spirit of God does and who it is that these gifts should be attributed to and what that looks like for the church. Now in verses 1 through 3, it's important that again setting the context here, we're talking about a church, the church in Corinth that was dealing with a lot of falsehoods, a lot of even pagan practices that were being brought in to the church. And it sounds like they were addressing this same issue. Paul was addressing the same issue even in relation to spiritual gifts. Look at what he says in the text. He says, I don't, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand. So Paul sets this backdrop. and He's like, listen, I want you to be informed. At one point in time before you knew Christ... At one point in time before you belonged to him, you were led astray, you believed false things, and at one point of time, your belief and viewpoint of Christ was inaccurate and false, and you participated in these things. You believed these things. You were led astray, he says, to mute idols, however you were led. But look at verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. It would appear, and a lot of commentators agree on this, it would appear that the church, if you can believe it, was allowing pagan practices and beliefs and activities into the body of Christ. And that there were believers who were attributing what was going on or being told what was going on should be attributed to the working of the Spirit of God. And there were some that were being led astray by that. And, and Paul's correcting them on this. He's saying, listen, there's, this is the reality that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. Can you imagine anyone actually believing that 
someone could prophesy in in a church setting or someone could stand up and they could go completely counter to what God's word said and attribute that to the working of the spirit of God and there would be people there listening and believing that. That's what was happening in the church at Corinth and by the way, that still happens today. There are many people who are proclaiming things that are just completely contrary to what God's word says and they're attributing it to a word from God. Paul sets the record straight here and he makes something abundantly clear. He asks the question of what is it that the one who is saying this says about Christ? We have to understand something that's so important and we have to set things straight. We have to have clarity and be informed about what the Spirit of God does and what the Spirit of God will not do. And as a rule of thumb, we can, we can say today that no one in the Spirit of God will claim or say something about Jesus that is contrary to what the Word of God says. We can say with clarity that the Spirit of God will never lead or inform, if you will, or provide revelation, if you will, that is contrary to what the word of God has revealed to us. It's a dangerous thing when we begin to fall into these different beliefs and practices, and this is what was being done in the church. They were attributing and crediting to the work of the Spirit of God things that were not the working of the Spirit of God. And and again, even today, there are many activities and absolutely ridiculous actions that are being attributed to the working of the Spirit of God. And the believer now, just as then, needs to have clear discernment. And listen, this is not an opportunity for me to stand up here and bash churches or people who claim the name of Christ and they're doing things that seem completely ridiculous as they attribute it to the Spirit. That's not our goal today, okay? That's not my desire. My desire is to make clear what Paul was even making clear to these believers Be informed. I do not want you to be uninformed, he says. I want you to understand. And every one of us should be able to do that. We should be able to spot the authentic from the counterfeit. We should be able to see that. And listen, here's the thing. A lot of times, the desires of our hearts, which oftentimes are evil and wicked, desire things that are contrary to what God clearly says. And so when someone offers something or attributes something to the working of God or the Spirit of God, and we like that, there's a pull to that, isn't there? Because of what it presents to us. I remember when I was in college and we used to take trips to New York City to do open air evangelism and uh, we would work with a a missionary there named Sam Fry and we would go uh, on the streets, we would go into the Bronx, we would go into Harlem, we would go into Times Square area and we would set up, uh, just basically shop there and be able to pass out gospel tracts to people, have conversations with people about the gospel and do different things. But one of the things that a lot of us guys always looked forward to for the college was we would have a, a period of free time where we would be walking in Times Square and we would always be looking for the guys with the briefcases selling Oakley sunglasses. We were college students, and these weren't Oakleys. We called them Folkleys because they were fake Oakleys. But when you would see that briefcase open up, they'd be like, hey, come over here, which right away should tell you don't do that. I'm not encouraging anybody to do this, okay? But they would say, hey, why don't you come over here? And they'd open that briefcase up, and there'd be all these Oakleys, fake Oakleys, that were there. Now, Oakley sunglasses are, you know, $100, $200. They could be more than that. And we're like, yeah, but how much are they? And would be like, 10 bucks. They, clearly, these are real, right? $10. But the thing that was so incredible about it was like, they looked real, sort of. 
They, they had the O for the Oakley symbol like would be on some of these and some of them looked really authentic. And it didn't matter when you put them on if you couldn't see through them or it didn't matter if you put them on and there was no blocking of the sun. It looked cool, you felt cool and I got something at a great discounted price. I didn't care if it wasn't real. And in many ways, that's what I thought of when I think of the church in Corinth. They were very big on gravitating towards and grabbing and holding on to things that made themselves feel or look good, even if it was counterfeit. And we must not do that with the working of the Spirit of God. We must be very careful and informed that we are not attributing things to the working or leading of the Spirit of God that are contrary to what the word of God with clarity says. And Paul wants them to be informed. He says, every believer in Christ, I don't want you to be uninformed about these things. I want you to understand these things. We should be informed and have understanding. Understanding about the working of the spirit of God and about spiritual gifts. And that's what Paul's now gonna go on. After he gives this kind of opening, if you will, here to the text, he says, now, in verse three, now, So after he gets that out of the way and he wants them to understand this, they realize he is addressing something that is absolutely necessary for them to get. And so then he goes on, verses four to seven, point number two, second observation here. Every believer in Christ has been given a spiritual gift. So first, we have to understand and be informed, but secondly, understand and be informed that you, as a follower of Jesus, have a spiritual gift, at least one, and probably more than one. But you have a spiritual gift. Every believer has a spiritual gift. Look at verses four to seven. He says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. So there's many gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Don't miss the word same that's used here in verses four to seven. It's the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God Same spirit, same Lord, same God. And then twice he makes mention of the fact that this is for everyone. He says, who empowers them all in everyone. Again, look what he says. The same spirit, the same Lord, the same God. Verse six, end of the verse, who empowers them all in everyone. Everyone. So every believer in Jesus Christ has been given a spiritual gift. Verse seven, to each, to each. So this is something that not only is reflective of the body of Christ, that it encompasses all, everyone in the body has been given a gift, but then he says to each is given. It's it's an individual, personal thing here that the spirit of God is empowering and gifting these gifts. He says to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. This is important. Every believer in Christ has been given a spiritual gift. Um, Have you ever had someone that texted you in a group, a group text or group email, and there's kind of going back and forth, so you're part of this group, and something's been communicated, and that might be a work team or a group of friends or a group of parents or just whatever it is, and everybody got the message except for one person, and they're like, yeah, you never sent it to me. You ever had that happen? Or maybe you're that person. You're like, yeah, I never got that. Someone comes, hey, did you get my email that I sent you the other day? And you're like, no, I didn't get that. And you're like, really? Everybody else got it. And you're like, no, I didn't get it. And like, well, maybe you should check your junk mail or check your inbox or whatever. And and most of the time, 
It's not that you get real defensive, but sometimes people are like, no, I didn't get it. I mean, everybody else got it. I didn't get it. And we can even begin to wonder, like, why didn't I get it, right? Why did everybody else get it? And then you know how it feels to go back and look and you realize you did get it. You just didn't see it. You, you ever have that happen? And you kind of have to go back to people and be like, ah, yeah, I did get that. Or they, they send it again and you're like, yeah, actually, I did get that. I just didn't see it or I missed it. I think that's the case with a lot of believers today. Listen to me. It's there. (laughs) When he says that he gives to each one as he wills, it's given to everyone. The question isn't, do you have a spiritual gift? You do. You've been included. It's been given to you. The question is, are you informed about it? Do you know it? And are you utilizing it? Because it's there. It's not a question. It's not a question as a believer to ask, did God miss me? Maybe he didn't send that my way, just to everyone else. No, God doesn't do that. Every believer in Christ has been given a spiritual gift. It's the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So listen to me this morning. If you are a child of God, if you belong to Christ, If you are his, then you and I have been empowered by the Spirit of God with a gift or gifts to be utilized in the body of Christ for his glory. Understand that today. And it just makes total sense. It makes total sense as we consider the reality that the same Spirit of God who places us into the body of Christ that baptizes us into the body of Christ is the same Spirit of God who indwells us who leads us, who directs us, who teaches us and empowers us. It's all the working of the Spirit of God. We'll see this next week as we continue on in chapter 12 and we jump into verse 13 that Paul reminds the believers of the great work of the Spirit of God. He says, For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves were free. We were all made to drink of one Spirit. Don't miss this. There's unity here. There is consistency here that you and I as children of God are participants in the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That the same spirit of God that indwells you indwells me as a believer in Jesus Christ. That the same spirit of God that indwelled all of these believers that have gone before us in the church and have done amazing and even miraculous things through the working of the spirit of God. The same spirit has baptized you into the body of Christ as a believer, has baptized me into the body of Christ. It's the same spirit that is with you, indwells you, leads you, teaches you, and gives to you spiritual gifts for the edification of the body and for the glory of God. The effectiveness of the Spirit of God living within us should be seen, and that which the Spirit gives should be utilized. That's what Paul's calling them to here. Every believer in Christ has been given a spiritual gift. That includes every one of us in this room that knows Christ as Savior. So really, a couple observations as we start. Be informed. Paul wants everybody to be informed about those gifts. Two, every believer in Christ has been given one. Three, every believer in Christ does not have the same spiritual gift. This is important for us to understand. Verse four, he says, there are varieties of gifts. Verse six, I'm sorry, verse yeah, six, there are varieties of activities. Verse five, there are varieties of service. There's variety of gifts. 
Not everybody has the same gift. And not everybody should have the same gift. Nine times, nine times in verses 8 to 11, Paul uses the word to one or to another in describing how the Spirit gives. Nine times in verses 8 to 11. Look at it. Verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by, one, by the one Spirit. Verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. There's an understanding here that every believer in Christ has a spiritual gift, but we don't have both the same ones. You may have a different gift than I do and I than you. There's a clear distinction here between the gifts given and to whom the gifts are given. There's some unifying factors here. Unifying factors, even though these gifts are distributed individually to each as he wills, and, and there are varieties, and we all don't have the same ones, there are unifying factors here that we believe in the same God and serve the same God. We've been empowered by the same God. And Paul utilizes the phrase in these verses, of the Spirit, through the Spirit, the same Spirit, or one Spirit, six times in verses 7 to 11 that we've already looked at. He makes something abundantly clear. There's not confusion here. There's not a randomness going on here. There's order. There's preciseness. There's purpose and a plan in the distribution of these gifts. So though there's a variety in the gifts given, there is complete harmony and unity in the way they are given and who is doing the giving and the purpose and the plan in the giving. It's important for order that we understand this. Otherwise, there would be chaos. Now, just in the list before us, in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, nine gifts are mentioned here. Gifts of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. There are two other primary passages that provide gifts that the Spirit gives and roles that, the, that God has given to us to play in utilization of those gifts. One's in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, Paul not only emphasizes some of the same here, but also mentions a couple others. He says, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, interesting in Romans chapter 12, Paul begins there as he's about to get into these gifts by saying, Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. No one has any room for boasting because of the gifts that they have been given over any other gifts. This is all for the glory of God and that his will and his distribution. No one here, any one of us, did something to deserve or merit the gifts, the grace gifts that God has given to us. God didn't look and say, man, that guy's fantastic. Give him this gift. That's not how that works. Each is given according to how God purposes and in his plan. For as in one body we have many members, and members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Again, Paul emphasizes here in Romans chapter 12 that there are differing gifts. Differing gifts. Let us use them. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, 
The one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Again, there's a suggestion of gifts here that Paul lays out, some that overlap with the text before us in 1 Corinthians 12 and some areas that he adds to. Romans includes gifts of serving and teaching and exhortation, of giving, of leadership, and of mercy. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, Paul says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Gifts that God gives and also specific roles that God gives within the church. Why? For the building up of the body of Christ. We all have differing gifts. We'll see next week when we finish chapter 12, Paul will close the section out by mentioning again the variety of gifts and roles that God has called us to play, and there are many. As I mentioned at the beginning, this isn't a series on spiritual gifts, and so today is not a time that we have to be able to get in and say, this gift is here, this gift is here, this gift means this, this gift means this. What we want to understand in this text this morning is that there are a variety of gifts given by the Spirit of God for the ministry and working in the body of Christ. There's a lot of disagreement. In Christian circles and evangelical circles in regards to spiritual gifts and the activity, usage, and purpose of these gifts for the church today. And my goal, and nor would it be accomplished this morning, is not to convince anyone here of where they're right or wrong in reference to their belief in spiritual gifts, of what is in existence and what's not in existence, of how God's using it and how God is not using it. But understand this. As leadership here at the church, we believe some gifts known as sign gifts are no longer necessary for utilization in the body of Christ, and the purpose and plan God had for distributing certain gifts have been fulfilled. But understand and know this, the Spirit distributed then and distributes now as he wills for the purpose and plan of God in the body of Christ, and he can do as he wills when he wills. Any gifts that are in circulation or usage today the, the backdrop or understanding of whether or not we see that those are gifts that the Spirit gives or in utilization today is not founded in the opinions of men, but in the Word of God. And so any gifts that are in circulation or usage today will be consistently used in accordance with the purpose and plan that God has and in consistency with the authority of God's Word. And so if someone says, I have a certain gift, a particular gift, you could ask the question, is this gift being utilized for the purpose and plan and in the manner in which God has given it to be used? And use the word of God as our backdrop for that. He can do as he wills and when he wills. Our measure of and discernment of gifts should have the word of God as our foundation. And this is a warning that I believe, again, Paul was given even at the outset of this section of Scripture where he tells them, I do not want you to be uninformed. I want you to have understanding. And again, we see the absolute necessity of the Word of God being digested and brought into our hearts and minds and that we would have discernment in regards to these things. We may have disagreement or better said, maybe possibly differing opinions concerning spiritual gifts but here is something that we can agree on. Every believer in Christ does not have the same spiritual gift, certainly does not have the same role to play, but every believer in Christ does have a gift and has a role to play. Might we utilize those gifts in accordance with God's purpose and plan and according to his word.
Number four, every believer in Christ is expected to utilize their spiritual gift for the good of the body of Christ. Verse seven, each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Why? Verse seven, for the common good. There's a reason and point for the gifts that you and I have been given. And here's the kicker to this. The reason and point for the gifts that you've been given or I've been given is not for our own glory or for our own purposes. And sometimes we can confuse that. Sometimes we can even try to make much of ourselves in utilization of the gifts that God has given to us. But that's not the point. Understand you've been given that gift and it's your responsibility to utilize it. But while utilizing it, remember it is not for selfish reasons but for the good of the body. It's for the edification, the building up of the body of Christ. I remember when I was a kid and we would go trick-or-treating in my neighborhood. My parents would buy candy to pass out to the kids that would stop at our house. And when they would buy that candy, if they bought candy I really liked, I was trying to pick at that candy before Halloween ever hit, before any trick-or-treaters came to our house. And my parents used to say, this isn't candy for you, it's for the trick-or-treaters, okay? We just bought some candy because our neighborhood, there's going to be kids all over the place for, for Halloween. And so my wife bought some candy and she bought like good candy, like chocolate, like chocolate bars. And you know what one of my kids said when we bought that candy? Like, ooh, I like that candy. And guess what we had to say? That's not for you. It's for the trick-or-treaters. Listen, when it comes to spiritual gifts, it is not for you. It's not for your glory. It's not for my glory. It's not to make much of myself. It's not so that I can feel good about myself. It is for the good of the body of Christ. That's why it has been given And how in the world could we ever actually think we're fulfilling the role and utilizing the spirit of God's gifts that he's given to us in the manner God wants us to when we're never actively using it in the body of Christ? You can't and I can't. Every believer is expected to utilize their gifts, not for selfish gain or selfish reasons, but for the good of the body. Serves as a reminder that we don't have the right to determine if we want to use it It's not for our personal gain. It's not for our personal good. It's for the body. Consider this for a moment. The Spirit of God has provided and distributed gifts to every believer in Christ, which again includes you and I for the good of the body. Think of how generous God is in doing that. Think of how generous God is, how loving of God, how amazing of God to know that God has made us alive, he's made us is, he's adopted us into his family, and then he provides freely gifts for us to be able to use within the body for the building up of the body together. That's what God has done. That's what he's done. And yet knowing this, We so often choose to take what God has given and hide it away, to cover it up, to box it up and store it, to hoard it and not utilize it. What good is it then? Who do we really think we are to do such a thing? Again, sometimes we have to be reminded, I have to be reminded, this life and the living of this life is not about us, it's about the Lord. And it's for his glory. You and I have been graciously given and empowered with gifts by the Spirit of God Almighty. And we have a responsibility and calling to be actively utilizing those gifts for the good of the body of Christ and for the glory of God. 
So let me just give us some conclusions from these observations. One, the receiving of spiritual gifts is not optional. God distributes it as he wills. You and I didn't do anything to get it. We didn't choose it. The receiving of these gifts is not optional. Number two, the giving of special spiritual gifts is on purpose, or specific spiritual gifts is on purpose, and for a purpose. God has a reason and a plan, and his reasons and his plans are perfect. And here's what's hard sometimes, and that doesn't always have to make sense to us. You say, I don't, I don't want a spiritual gift. Too bad, you have one if you're a believer. I don't like it. Doesn't matter. Because he gives as he wills, and it's not optional. It's on purpose and for a purpose. And so therefore, number three, and this is hard to hear maybe this morning, the utilization of spiritual gifts is not optional. The receiving of it's not optional. It's intended by God for a purpose and plan. The specifics of the gifts you've been given is not optional or up to you. And the utilization of it should not be optional. This is what God has commanded. The giving and receiving is not according to our opinion. God didn't ask us. The purpose and plan is not according to our opinion. God didn't ask. And the utilization is not according to our opinion. Nowhere in this text or any of the texts of Scripture that speaks of spiritual gifts and the utilization of the gifts is there a caveat of if the person wants to. If they're confident enough, if it makes them feel good enough, it's not optional. It's not optional. So with this in mind, let me give us three quick points of action. Number one, know your gift. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've been saved for any amount of time, you're like, I have no idea how God's gifted me. You need to be informed. Know your gift. There are a variety of ways that you can seek understanding in that. You can talk to godly individuals, wise and mature individuals, say, hey, where do you see that maybe God has gifted me? What is it that God has put on your heart and your mind that you are passionate about in ministry to him? And what is it that you, uh, above and beyond what others would do and see, that God has gifted you and empowered you to do? We have a spiritual gifts questionnaire that we give to people when they join our church and our membership and orientation classes. And it's not an authoritative test at any, by any means, but sometimes it gives some direction and, and gives consideration of how maybe God has gifted you to be able to serve and to edify the body of Christ. We have uh, these spiritual gifts questionnaires before you leave today. If you've never taken one and you want to grab one that just helps you to have some understanding of maybe where God has gifted you and how God is leading you maybe to serve, I would encourage you to grab one of those spiritual gift questionnaires before you leave today. And you would take that and take the time to consider it and pray through it and go through it and just see. Maybe there's some things that come out of that. You're like, you know what? Yeah, I, I do desire that. I, I have been gifted in that way. And maybe God will reveal that to you. But know your gift. Secondly, appreciate and give thanks for your gift. Give thanks that God has given to you these grace gifts. Give thanks to him. Appreciate it. Stand in awe and humility the fact that God, the creator of the universe, would desire to use us? What a calling on our lives to be able to put into practice and use what he's given to us for his glory and the good of the body. And number three, utilize it. Utilize your gift. Don't pack it in. Don't pack it away. 
Don't hoard it. Don't refuse to acknowledge what God impresses on your heart and mind to do with the gifts that he's given to you. We should be utilizing the gifts that God has given to us for his glory. So know it, appreciate it, utilize it for his glory and for the edification of the body of Christ, the building up of the body of Christ. Next week, as we close out this chapter, we'll talk about the necessity of every member doing his or her part in the body of Christ. Just as forewarning, it it probably will be convicting for you as it is convicting for me about utilizing the gifts, the abilities, the talents that God has given to us for his glory. And hopefully it will be helpful and enlightening. We'll also share some great opportunities and ways next week that you as members of the body of Christ can get active in utilizing your gifts and fulfilling your part that God has for you in his plan and to bring him glory. Let's pray together and thank him for our time. God, thank you so much for your word and thank you for the way that you work And thank you, Lord, for the way that you distribute gifts according to your divine purpose and plan. Uh, Lord, help us as your children to, Lord, be sober-minded about the gifts you've given, that we would properly, with understanding, utilize those gifts for your glory and for the body of Christ to be built up. Help us, Lord, to be quick to serve Help us to be quick to put into action what you have given to us because you are deserving of the glory. And so I pray, even this morning, if there's anybody in this room, Lord, they know what their gifts are. They know how you've gifted them. They've even felt your hand on their heart and on their mind pressing them to serve or to utilize those gifts that they would take that step of faith. They would take that step of action to put to use what you have graciously given. Help us all to have that mentality and that attitude because you are deserving of all of the glory. And we give it to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.